0: Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lake Scenario Leader and Kentucky.com, and this is our Citrus Bowl preview podcast. We're going to preview Saturday's game between the Kentucky Wildcats and the Iowa Hawkeyes down in Orlando at the v- VRBO Citrus Bowl or Verbo Citrus Bowl, however you want to refer to it. It's a one o'clock start on ABC. Kentucky comes into the game with a nine and three record trying to get the 10th win it would only be the second time since 1977 that Kentucky has won uh, 10 games in a season Uh, Iowa comes into the game they're already 10 and 3 they were a divisional champion in the Big Ten they lost to Michigan in the Big Ten championship game Iowa trying to get post an 11 win season and to help us Preview the game. I talk with Tom Cakert of HawkeyeReport.com on the Rivals Network about Iowa, and I talk with my friend and colleague Josh Moore of the Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com about the Wildcats. Before we get to that, I want to remind you, you can get a Sports Pass, sports-only digital subscription to Kentucky.com, $30 for the first year. You get all of our U.K. football, U.K. basketball, U.K. recruiting, high school coverage, columns. You get it all for $30 for the first year. Follow me on Twitter, John play IV. go to the top of my feed there you'll see the pin tweet which tells you all about the sports pass digital subscription click on that it'll take you where you need to go or go to kentucky.com click on the subscription tab there and check out all the offers for subscriptions to both kentucky.com and the print edition of the lexton Herald leader as always we appreciate everybody who supports our work at Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader. Appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast. And without any further ado, let's get right to our our interviews. First, with Tom Cakert of Hawkeye Report for a scouting report on the Iowa Hawkeyes. And then after that, you'll hear from Josh Moore of the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com on the Kentucky Wildcats. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is Tom Cakert of HawkeyeReport.com, which is with the Rivals Network, covers Iowa athletics and Iowa football. How's it going, Tom?
1: It's going terrific. I'm, uh, I'm not in Iowa, and I'm in Orlando, and it's late December, so um, yeah, it's good. <laughs> That's
0: good. Yeah, you were telling me before we started recording, just beautiful 80 degrees. Uh, it's been really nice down there this week, from what I understand
1: yeah we've had a lot of bowl trips to Florida, and this might be the warmest really? and so this one's the warmest the coldest was Iowa played in the the two thousand nine ten i guess it was two thousand ten uh orange bowl and it was the coldest that Miami has ever been i think no really. it was like it was like below freezing a couple of nights <laughs> down there, so it was just that was our luck that year, but this year they're they're doing us right with uh with uh, Orlando in, in the 80s yeah and you guys
0: uh you had your bow game canceled last year right so this so yeah. this is even even more making it up uh, making it up to you this year
1: yeah and we've been to Tampa six times uh for the Outback and uh last year we we're supposed to go to the Music City and that got canceled a couple days beforehand so um yeah so this is it's nice to be back in the uh Back in the bowl rotation again.
0: And, and fingers crossed we will have a bowl on Saturday. Everything will go off as planned at the Citrus Bowl, uh, 1 p.m. start. Uh, Tom, what about this Iowa football team this year? Uh, coming into this game 10-3, and three, division champs in the Big Ten, uh, lost to a very good Michigan team in the Big Ten championship game. What about the Iowa season overall? What were the expectations going in, and how has the season progressed?
1: You know, I think – they probably met or exceeded expectations this year because I think most people had them eight and four, nine and three, kind of for regular season. Um, just kind of wondered how it would uh, how it would shape up uh, with Spencer Petrus and then just some new faces. The defensive line is almost completely new, uh, but they have they have really played um, opportunistic football. The the offense has not been pretty. Uh, and the quarterback position has not been great, but somehow they've found a way to cobble together wins. I mean, you look at like going back to last season, the the, the weird COVID year with no bowl game, but they finished last year on a six-game win streak and then uh, started this year winning their first six and, and ascending all the way to number two in the country after okay. that Penn State victory, uh, and then kind of hit a little bump in the road with Purdue and, and Wisconsin, but... Um, you know, thanks to Wisconsin losing to Minnesota, Iowa ended up being in the uh, Big Ten title game and, and got destroyed by Michigan. Uh, there's no two ways about it. Michigan just dominated them. But uh, Michigan is just a better version, better, more talented version of Iowa in a lot of ways. They just like to run the ball, don't pass a whole bunch and um, and just dominated Iowa and turned them over.
0: Let's start with the with the Iowa offense. Even though uh, defense, I think is look, looking at them on paper has been the strength. What, what's been the? You mentioned they've struggled uh, off and on during the season. What's been the crux of that struggles? What have they not been able to do well?
1: You know the the thing with Iowa football over the years, and I've been covering them since '03, so a good sample size with Kirk Ferentz um, is when they're good, they're good up front. Uh, on offense, and this year you know they 're averaging less than three hundred total yards a game on offense which is uh, by by today 's standards is minuscule they 're in the you know they're what one hundred and twenty seven i think or twenty nine teams in college football at the d one level and I was like one twenty one in terms of total offense so they are not a good offensive team uh, and it starts up front i mean they 've got an all american and Tyler Linderbaum at center, who is as good as advertised. I mean, he's the best center. I always had some good centers over the years, and he's the best center that they've that they've had in the Ferentz era um, by uh, by miles. I mean, he's really good. He's a potential first round draft pick. But everybody around him, they the combination of injuries and and just young players, and they just haven't been very good. They've given up, uh, I believe, thirty sacks this year. So they just haven't. And they don't have mobile quarterbacks, uh, especially Spencer Petrus, not very mobile. Padilla, who's the other quarterback that they played this year, he's a little more mobile, but he's on the smaller side. So he's not as tall, where Petras is kind of a you know 6'5 statue kind of quarterback. Um, so I, I think that's just been the key, is a lot of youth up front that's just not really meshed. They've tried... Uh, kind of bouncing some guys in and out of there, um, you know, splitting time and just hasn't clicked all year. Now they did click a little bit later in the year, but it's still been a struggle uh, for them uh, on the offensive line. And that's, that's been the key. And now um, their best running back, Tyler Goodson opted out, opted out. He had 1100 yards rushing this year. So um, they've lost that weapon. And, and also one of the receivers, Tyron Tracy has uh Uh, decided to transfer and is already headed to Purdue. So he's out for this game as well.
0: You mentioned about Goodson. Who who are the guys who could take his place on Saturday?
1: One of the more interesting developments of this bowl prep has been that uh, Ivory Kelly Martin kind of reemerged. He has had had a rough year this year. This is his senior year, and he had, I think, three fumbles this year. And the last one was against Wisconsin um up in madison and it was near the goal line and it ended up giving up seven points because of it and we didn't see him again after that kirk ferentz had said that he had a a turf toe issue and so they didn't expect him back um and he wasn't even participating on special teams anymore um and then he kind of popped up on a couple special teams plays but um, it's just kind of strange. And then all of a sudden uh, we get the bold depth chart and Ivory Kelly Martin is the number one running back. So th- he, but they've said they're going to play all three running backs, Gavin Williams, who's kind of a power back straight ahead guy. And Lee Williams, uh, played sparingly this year. Really the Maryland game was the only game that he, uh, he played significant snaps in. And that's because Iowa was up like by 40 points in the third quarter. So, um, you know they'll probably play all three of those guys at running back on Saturday.
0: Yeah, you mentioned about the two quarterbacks. I think I read that uh, they're not going to name a starter this week. Is that correct? And who who do you expect to be the starter at quarterback for Iowa on Saturday?
1: <laughs> yeah, I wonder if it's gamesmanship or or they're just kind of messing with everybody i don't know it's you know coaches are it's it's kind of weird because we got into practice yesterday and i always look for okay who's who's working with the number one center that usually tells you who the starting quarterback is and spencer Petrus was doing all that work but you know about two weeks ago we had heard some stuff spencer got hurt in the bowl game got shot to the ribs and um some people that I've heard some things from, they weren't sure that Spencer was going to be ready for the bowl game. So I kind of wondered if Padilla was going to be the guy, but then Spencer's out there with the ones. But then yesterday when I was talking to Spencer, just a, and I'd asked Kirk at, on mm-hmm. uh, December 23rd, is Spencer a full go? Because he said he was back at practice and everything, and I'm like, is he a full go? And he said, yes, so... Yesterday, I asked Spencer just about his recovery from injury and just when he, just basically when he started feeling better, where he could get back out there. I didn't really ask him about the specific injury, and he just deferred completely and said, "You have to ask the head coach about all those questions so really? <laughs> it was weird because Spencer is one of those guys who's almost honest to a fault. Really? And to kind of do that, it made – as a reporter, it kind of makes your ears perk up a little bit and go, there's something more going on here. So I, I would think it's going to be Spencer, but it, it – You know, my spidey sense almost says that Padilla is going to be the starting quarterback.
0: (laughs) I guess we'll just have to see when they come out for the first series on Saturday. Okay, what about the Iowa defense? Obviously, a very strong defense this year. I think they're 15th right now in total defense. Led the nation in interceptions with 24. Uh, Just talk a little bit about who are are some guys to watch on the Iowa defense.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting group because, uh, like I mentioned earlier, they had to replace three other uh, four starters, on the defensive line, and go with a lot of young guys, and it, it's just been kind of they're they're not a great pass rushing team, and in fact, you probably noticed on Saturday in the first half, almost specifically, I know Kentucky's got a really good offensive line. They're probably not going to get a lot of pressure on uh, Will Levis at all. I, I just yeah, they just sort of kind of ease into ramping things up with more. Aggressive game planning, you know, blitzes, things like that, um, just kind of different looks. That's kind of been Phil Parker's, uh, the defensive coordinator's MO all year is he just kind of eases into it, kind of sees what the other team's doing. He's not going to be too adventurous, just kind of play vanilla. And then as the game progresses, he kind of ramps up pressure and kind of does some different things. And and that has, has led to a lot of good results for him. Uh, one thing they will be missing is Matt Hankins, but he's been out for several weeks. He's one of those starting cornerbacks who had uh, four interceptions this year. He's he's out with uh, in a hamstring that wasn't going to be healed in time, and he ended up having shoulder surgery too now. So to get ready for um, the NFL draft, so um, he's not going to participate. But they'll have everybody else um, back in the defensive backfield. They've just. Uh, the big thing with Iowa is they're an excellent assignment football team. They're just they're not going to give up big plays. And that's what they did against Michigan. They gave up big plays. And Phil Parker talks about this. Um, he's got this chart, basically. He charts games. It's, it's fascinating because he showed it to us one time. But basically, if they give up two or fewer explosive plays over like 20, 25 yards, that they're only going to give up about 14 points in a game, more than likely. But if they give up three or four or more, uh, it goes up to 28. So there's just kind of this dividing point with this defense. And Michigan game, they gave up explosive plays and they gave up over 40 points. And that's just how it worked. Um, as far as key guys, uh, Jack Campbell, middle linebacker, really good player. He's going to play on Sundays eventually. Um, he and uh, Seth Benson are a pretty good duo. They run a kind of, a, it's more of a, Four two five with Dane Belton as kind of they call it a cash position, and Belton's got an NFL opportunity. He was a first-team All Big Ten player this year. Um, really good kind of combo safety, uh, bigger bigger safety is basically what he is. Um, and also the other cornerback uh, was that uh, was uh, the defensive back of the year in the Big Ten, and that's Riley Moss who. And I was surprised he got that award just because he missed like three games this year. Really? Um, he he had kind of injured his PCL out for several weeks, uh, but he had five interceptions this year. So he was, um, you know, getting a lot of, or four interceptions rather. Belton had five. Uh, so those are kind of the two guys that are going to intercept the ball a lot. Uh, Kayvon Merriweather and Jack Kerner on the back end are, um, you know, just solid players. Uh, up front, I'd probably highlight... Uh, Zach Van Valkenburg, uh, interesting story, a kid who's from, uh, played D2 ball in Michigan and graduated in three years in, uh, at, at uh, a small D2 school in Michigan and just uh, came to Iowa. They really liked him and he's developed into, he's not, uh, you know, I don't know if he'll play on Sundays, but he's just a really solid, hardworking player.
0: And what about the kicking game? What has Iowa been like this year, uh, as far as special teams in the kicking
1: game goes? They probably got one of the better special teams units in the country, to be honest. Charlie Jones was the returner of the year in the Big Ten. Uh, he's really he doesn't look like much out there, and he doesn't look like he's got blazing speed. But I've never seen him get caught from behind, and he just kind of has that knack to find a little crease and and he's uh, he's got the guts of a cat burglar back there. He just He's a daredevil, and he's a guy could be standing right in front of him. He's going to catch it and try and return it, and uh, and and he he's got good ball security. Their punter is a uh, Australian guy named Tory Taylor, who's terrific. Uh, average, he's um, it's watching him kind of kick inside the the twenty. I think he's had. Over 30 punts this year that he's got inside the 20. It's like watching, uh, it's like watching Phil Mickelson throw lob wedges up. Uh, <laughs> it's just he just kind of gets them to check up, uh, just really naturally. And then, um, and then the place kicker Caleb Schudak was second team All Big Ten, uh, really accurate kicker with uh, with length past 50 yards. I think at three. 50-yard field goals this year, so wow. um, he's uh, he's got a big leg, and he handles kickoffs, too. So they're, they're really good um, special teams, and, and that's been probably the last four or five years. They they um, moved one of their position coaches, LeVar Woods, a former Iowa player, into just special teams coordinator, and since then, they have really uh, elevated things, and they'll run some trick plays, too, so that might be something they roll out uh, in the last game of the year. And so,
0: talking about guys, the both sides of the ball and the kicking game and guys to watch, I guess it comes down to keys. What, what are the keys you think for Iowa on Saturday to get that eleventh win? It'd be a very impressive season to go eleven and three.
1: Yeah, it would be. Um, and I think um, maybe the you know a couple of interesting things. It's you look at Kentucky and. The fact that Levis and the offense has turned it over a lot. I mean, he's got 12 right. interceptions this year. Iowa's had all those interceptions. You, you think maybe there's an edge there for Iowa, uh, but uh, Iowa struggles sometimes against uh, mobile quarterbacks. And um, but they've you know they've seen Levis like last year. He played at Penn State and played against Iowa uh, up at up in Happy Valley. So they they kind of know him. I was talking to Jack Kerner about him today and he just said he seems like he's really matured as a quarterback and a thrower now. Cause when he was at Penn state, he was just like a runner. Right. Uh, so um, interesting story too. Iowa was the first school to offer Will Levis a scholarship. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, they had him into camp. Um, Coach O'Keefe kind of knew him a little bit from the Northeast. So um, he, they were the first school to to offer him. But then once Penn state offered, it was pretty much over uh, as far as the recruitment, but um, yeah, I think how they contain Levis and um, and they've had problems. Iowa's defense has had problems against receivers like Wondell Robinson. Um, they think specifically of like David Bell from Purdue, who um, Iowa probably did a, gave a standing ovation when he declared for the NFL draft early because <laughs> he has torched them for like... Almost an average of like two. I'm not kidding. Like 200 yards a game receiving really? three times. I mean, he just killed them, and um, yeah. So they're that's the thing that really uh, and you know Kentucky's defense. Um, I think they're going to give Iowa some problems uh, just trying to run the ball because Iowa's just you know we were talking to um, uh, Coach White today at the at the press conference. Um, And he, I go, when's the last time you saw uh, an offense like Iowa's, you know, where they're running fullbacks out there and everything. And he goes, "Uh, first and goal at the five, you know, it's just like, (laughs) you know, you don't see, they don't see these kind of offenses in the SEC. And so he said, it's kind of a a little bit of an adjustment for a Kentucky team to, uh, to, to what Iowa does. But I, you know, I just, I think Kentucky's got a, an edge in this game. Um, just on a lot of fronts.
0: Well, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, I th- to me, it's one of the more interesting matchups, really, in all the bowls just because uh, I think the teams are kind of similar in a lot of ways in what they want to do. Uh, yeah. And Mark Stoops with the Iowa connection and uh, his connection with Coach Ferentz. Uh I think it's going to be an, a very interesting game from a scheme standpoint and how it plays out on Saturday. Uh, Tom, tell tell my listeners how they can follow you online and how they can check out your coverage uh, before and during and after the game on Saturday.
1: Yeah, just, um, you know, if you're on Twitter, go to uh, at Hawkeye Report. And you can find me there or go to um, Rivals.com. Go to Iowa.Rivals.com or HawkeyeReport.com, and you can uh, check out our stuff. I'll have my game preview uh, up on uh, on Friday. Uh, I always do that the day before the game. And, um, you know, so it's uh, it's been fun. It's always fun doing the bowl games. So even even in this COVID time, It's uh, you're still – some interesting stories to tell.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to the game on Saturday. Looking forward to seeing you when I get down there to Orlando. And thanks so much for being on the podcast, Tom. We really appreciate
1: it. Absolutely. Love coming on. Thank you for having me.
0: Okay, thanks again to Tom Cakert. You can follow his work at HawkeyeReport.com on the Rivals Network. And when we come back, we'll have Josh Moore, of their old leader, at Kentucky.com. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is my friend and colleague Josh Moore, who covers UK football for the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky. dot com. How's it going, Josh? How was your holiday?
2: It was a good time, John. We uh, went. To, me and uh, my fiance, we we traveled to. Uh, we're both from Eastern Kentucky, so traveled out there and spent a spent a couple of days with our families, and and you know did all the the eating and the presenting and and, and all that uh, all that fun stuff.
0: That's good. That's all the gift-giving. A little little break from football, but now we're back into the football swing with the Citrus Bowl coming up on Saturday, Kentucky against Iowa. Uh, first, Josh, let's go over the news that's happened uh, since the end of the season really leading up to the bowl game. Uh, I guess we should start with the unfortunate news of a couple of players who are not going to be able to play uh, in the game on Saturday. Uh, just talk about that, and is there anybody else that we know who's not going to be
2: available? Yeah, I think the, that's probably, you know, of the people we know, you know, 100% confirmed. It's, it's, you know, to people that maybe are just tuning in or, or checked out. I mean, I, which I think is probably a lot of people. Honestly, I don't know that a lot of people the last couple of weeks, you know, we we see it on our you know internal newsroom metrics. You People just kind of dip out for the holidays and don't read as much and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Josh Ali and, and Isaiah Epps, UK's number two and number three receivers in terms of you know, total receptions among the receiving core after one Robinson. They're both out for the game. Isaiah Epps actually today entered the transfer portal, um, which is also another wrinkle, which, you know, doesn't really matter for this game. Cause if he'd, you know, if he had been available and it entered the portal, he still probably would have played. Cause there's several guys, um, since the end of the regular season who've entered the transfer portal and they're all down there, you know, still practicing with the team and, and could be available to play. Um, and, and that's been pretty you know, going back to a few years ago, that's been pretty common for guys who leave UK um, under Mark Soups, they've still, you know, allowed them to be part of the bowl trip and, and do which which I think is kinda nice. I mean, that's that's you know a nice gesture. Um and, and you know, could play if they absolutely need them to. Um and 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 in the case of you know, one position, you know, outside the receiving core, I, I think Maybe they'll will need a couple of those guys to play because I, I don't think Josh Pascal's gonna play in this game. No one said that, but you know, you look at some reports from practice. You and I are, are still in Lexington. There's some right. people down there though, and I've talked with some people who are down there and, and watching practice and stuff and and you know, they haven't seen Josh Pascal even, you know, out there on the field, uh let alone not practicing. So so whether he, he might not be there, who knows? But he's you know, he suffered a leg injury against Louisville. When he spoke with us in Lexington a few weeks ago, um, you know he he wasn't exactly um, you know forthcoming about whether he would be able to play or not. And and at that point, I I don't think maybe he didn't know for sure. Um, and I don't know what his status is, but you know if I was a, just betting on it, I would say Josh Pascal probably isn't available for UK, which is I think inarguably a bigger loss than either of those two receivers. Yeah.
0: Yeah, could be, very much so. Well, let's talk about the receivers. Who can step up? Who are you looking for who could step up in place of, obviously, Josh. Ali especially was a big – Part of the offense, he was the number two receiver behind Wandale. Obviously, he didn't catch nearly as many passes as Wandale, but he still and he missed a couple of games during the year because of a knee injury. But to lose him is a significant loss. Uh, and Isaiah Epps had, had his moments, kind of came on a little at the end of the season. Uh, but who are some guys who could step up and take their place?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, and especially Ali, you mentioned. You know, he's he's he's. It's not like you know he played missed a couple games because of the a leg injury and, and he was, you know, about 20% of UK's catches this year were, you know, Josh Ali catching the ball. So it's not like he, you lost some, you know, nobody. Right. Um, I think, you know, I think, you know, Demarcus Harris is listed as the starter opposite Wondell. Um, so I would imagine he's probably a guy that, you know, maybe gets some looks real early, but I actually think, you know, one, I think they'll try to feed Wondell even more if they can. Hmm. Um, which, you know, if you look at some of his games, um, you know, some of his total receptions and some of the games that he played this year, you, know, you would think, how is that possible? But I think that's, that's probably something they'll try to do if they can get away with it against a very good Iowa secondary. Um, and, and, and I think Isaiah Cummings is a guy that'll probably get used a bit more in the passing game. He was a third-leading receiver in terms of receptions. Um, or I'm sorry, in terms of total yardage this year. Um, for Kentucky through the regular season and was fourth in reception. So I think you'll you'll see him more involved. Just because I think going forward he's you know, they want to do that more with the tight ends. They want to get those guys involved. He's a you know a pretty natural receiver um just from from his you know history as a player. He scored three times and he's really tough. I think he got better throughout the season at blocking for for you know when he was asked to do that. Um and and just kind of being out there as a wild card as a receiver, so I think he's he's somebody that'll probably get the ball uh, thrown his way a lot more, and and probably you know a couple of the true freshmen, Chauncey Magwood, Chris Lewis is a guy who's been name dropped uh, a little bit leading up to this game. Uh, Will Levis specifically uh, mentioned him as a guy, a young guy, a true freshman that had you know stepped up their play from the from when they ended the regular season and came back to their bowl prep practices. So it would be good for UK to see. What, what is those guys can give them, if anything, in a game like this, because you know they'll certainly need them next year, um, especially if Wandale isn't on the roster anymore. And 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 then you, you you'll you know just you know the youth movement is going to be in on one way or another. So if you can get it kind of jump started here against a very good Iowa defense, then then that's all the better.
0: Right, right. Uh, anybody else you th- uh, that we know of that may not be playing, or do you think they're going to be pretty healthy outside of the guys you mentioned?
2: Outside of those guys, I, I do think, you know, they're, they're, you know, I have no reason. I don't know anything, of, you know, as far as other guys who might not be available. You know, they released a depth chart, which again, those, those can be hit or miss as far as their usefulness. But um, there's nobody that kind of jumps out as, as a guy who, who won't be able to play. I think they'll, uh, it seemed like they, were, you know, Jordan Rod, I know, was a guy down the stretch It was kind of dealing with some stuff. Maybe he's, you know, hit, I would think, you know, based just on what I think he was dealing with an ankle injuries. You know that was that's the kind of thing you hope after a month to heal is probably you will probably be in good shape um, right. really outside of that it doesn't you know there's nobody that comes to mind, I guess yeah. um, who shouldn't and, or that we've you know been told. Right,
0: another uh, another piece of news that happened uh, since the end of the season happened just recently last week, I believe. Uh, Will Levis uh, pretty much made it known that he is coming back next year. I don't know that that's a big surprise. Uh, I get you know he could have gone on and tried to you know and test his uh, test the NFL waters, but what do you think that means uh, for Kentucky to get him back for next season?
2: Well, it's 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 great for Kentucky on several fronts. One, it, it gives you. Um, <laughs> You know, if the NFL, when the NFL season ends, because I mean, at this point, you know that Liam Cohen isn't taking any college jobs. Right. Um, but if the NFL were to come calling, you know, it'd have to be a pretty good job offer to to leave. You know, what you you know going into next season looks like a really attractive situation to to have a second year with a quarterback who you really who 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 was a situational quarterback at Penn State and you you know turned him into probably one of the top three you know, could be one of the top three quarterbacks in the SEC next year. Right. Um, and, and a guy that, you know, is, I think, got better over the end of the season. If you look at, you know, some of just, when you look at the interceptions and some of the decision-making down the stretch, you know, his, he had 12 over the course of the year, uh, which averaged out when you look at to his, his attempts. was about one every 27 attempts, but over the last four games, that, Shot up to one over every forty attempts, which that's a, that's a pretty good improvement um, when you when you look at it that way. So I think if you if you get you know that kind of play out of a guy like that next season, you're talking. I mean, you're really talking about a, a, a really <laughs> could be a really good um, offensive situation for Kentucky next year, especially you know if you get what you can out of some of the um, young wide receivers, Tavion Robinson, who's a the guy they signed. Uh, from the transfer portal out of Virginia Tech, and I mean, especially if Wandell was to come back, I mean that's a big if. But I mean that obviously takes you to a whole other level. So I think it's great for Kentucky, and it's also it's just nice, to, you know, it's nice to go into a season. It's I mean, at least as a, I can speak in it from a media perspective, it's nice going into a season knowing there won't be a quarterback controversy or or any or a quarterback uh, you know battle or anything, just because it it kind of gives you a better sense of what the team might look like. And that's been the case frequently um, under Stoops. You kind of know, you, you knew Terry Wilson was the guy, and, and, and you know Steven Johnson was the guy for that first year. But but you, you know, you, you Levis is different in the sense that you've seen this whole new offense um, installed. And, yeah, there's been, it's been a, you know, it's kind of up and down at times, but I think overall it's been really, I mean, you, you can't really be angry as a Kentucky fan, about what this or about how this offense has looked. And I think, you know, in theory, you would think year two it would, it should only look better.
0: Right, right. Uh, one of the big things going into any bowl game, I think, is you know, which team is motivated to play uh, in the bowl game. Not all teams are motivated depending on what bowl game they're playing in the opponent. Uh, do you think Kentucky is motivated for this game? and What are the reasons why Kentucky should be motivated for this game on Saturday uh, playing Iowa in the Citrus Bowl?
2: I think Kentucky is, is going to be incredibly motivated. Just, you know, from a you know, standpoint, one, they've not had anybody opt out, right? which – is significant just from a sense of, you know, if guys aren't opting out, that's as, as strong a sign anymore as, as wanting to play as any, because you see a lot of, I mean, I mean, what Ohio State and Penn State, some of these major name programs have had some pretty marquee guys decide in just a few days before the bowl game to to, to kind of jump away from it, and and you, you and 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 Iowa too, they're they're leading rusher um isn't playing in this game. So right. I think so. that that right and and so that that's part of it. I think you know I think it starts kind of with stoops. I think he's a um there's probably a little bit of wanting to you know wanting to beat uh, the the head coaches old school uh, maybe a little bit kind of trickles down a little bit. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's been he joked along you know a few weeks ago about Showing, showing the guys tape from his playing days at Iowa, and right. so they could, you know, get a good laugh out of it. I think is what he said. So <laughs> right. I think, uh, I think there's certainly an element of that to it, and and I think, you know, just for Kentucky as a whole, I still think there's this sense, even though they've are, I mean, they've clearly um, leapfrogged as a program from from where they were before Stoops got here, but there's still this um, element of of you know. Kentucky not being valued as, a, as a, re- a legitimate improving football program from a, you know, whether that's true or not, I think they possess that kind of mentality within the, within the, uh, within the building, you know, like, I think there's, right. you know, just a sense of that um, and whether that's true or not, it doesn't really have to be true if, you, if as long as you feel like it's true. Right. <laughs> you know, right. so um, I think that that's the biggest thing is, you know, it's a, it's a chance to get a win against a top 15 team. You know, have ten wins for, what is it, the fourth time and ever, or fourth or fifth time ever in program history. So right. uh, there's a lot to, there's a lot on the table for Kentucky, and and similarly for Iowa. I mean, it's for them. I was reading earlier that this is if they were to win it, they'd have eleven wins, and that would be just the fourth time they've done that, um, fourth or fifth time they've done that, and and they're you know they're sort of in the same boat as Kentucky, maybe a little, you know, they've. They've been doing this longer, this, you know, playing in January bowl games and, and kind of um, rising up the ranks. But they really are kind of to the Big Ten what Kentucky is trying to be um, and is sort of starting to be to the SEC, which is a really good team that consistently you kind of know what you're going to get from them, but maybe not so good that they can contend uh, really for a national championship. They obviously got really close this year, um, closer than they've been, but – um, you know, I think that's that's you know both sides, you know, other than you know Goodson, um, will be will really I think want to win this game.
0: Right. Okay. For Kentucky to win the game, what do they need to do? What are the keys you think for Kentucky on Saturday?
2: The biggest thing, I mean, it's a big task. You know, is is not to turn the ball over. Right. Um, and Iowa, you know, a lot of people, if you follow the lead up to this game at all. They, It's hard to not know that Iowa led the country in interceptions this year. And in Kentucky, you know, their turnover margin looks really bad because they have basically not created any this year, uh, effectively. But, but, you know, it's not, they're not necessarily turnover prone, although it felt like it at times, you know, early in the year. But, you know, they're certainly, you know, you got to be careful and they're going to have to, um, you know, they're going to have to throw against this secondary because I was I was, you know, one of the best rushing defenses in the country. And, and it's not you know they're not going to just, you know, give give you yards, you know, unless the offensive line just has, you know, an incredible day. And maybe it does. I think that's just something you're going to have to, you know, take advantage of some of those opportunities that, that, that you have and and try to um, try to get a few explosive plays out of the passing game. And that's something they can do. That's something I think Kentucky certainly can achieve. But, you know, <laughs> on in those same situations, the, the I was secondary can also capitalize. Um, so it's just going to be about who kind of steps up. And, and when you have a lot of receivers that maybe haven't been asked to do anything um, in big moments, um, especially in the college ranks, that's, you know, it's certainly kind of dicey. Um but, but we'll see. I think, you know, I think Kentucky's pretty well equipped um, and I think they'll, you know, I think the other thing is, is taking care of the ball, um, beyond the, this passing game, just kind of, you know, I think this game could end up coming down. You know, we, we've seen some instances where the time of possession didn't really matter. Um, of no. you know, the Tennessee game comes to mind, but I think this is a game where the time of possession is really going to, you know, you can probably look at the time of possession at the end of this one and see who won the game. Um, because you know, both teams are going to want to try to gut it out if they can. Uh, Iowa, you know, sort of renowned for their punting game. Um, I think that you know it's certainly a, an element that that you know they have a big advantage there, and and so I think that you know ball control is going to be huge, keeping you know keeping the ball in your hands, and and you know even if you know if you if you if you got to <laughs> if you got to throw it away, that's better than giving it away. So um, that's certainly going to have to be the mindset going in, and and I think. You know, jumping on them early will be big. I, you know, if you can kind of, you know, because they're coming off. I mean, they're coming off their worst loss of the year, right? Um, and, and to I think three to you,
0: Michigan in the Big Ten championship game, yes.
2: Yeah, and so if you can, if you can sort of strike at their confidence early, um, and I mean, and you know, this is something just kind of remember, you know, two is is they've sort of. I won't say they have a quarterback controversy, but they're you know they they certainly have a a a. a I would say a less than savory thing going on at quarterback where it mm-hmm. seems like they have a starter, but they kind of want to start the another guy. Um, and then there's sort of a, a controversy, maybe bubbling there. And I think if you can, whoever ends up starting, it sounds like it's going to be uh, Spencer Patris who started most of their game. But I think if you can get to him early and, and, and that might be hard without, you know, Pascal playing and they have one of the best offensive lines um, you know, or at least you know one of the best offensive line men in the in the country, yeah, um, in the center, in Tyler Linderbaum, yeah, the center. So, um, if you can kind of rattle him early, whoever that is who starts, and then sort of unsettle things there, I think that could be you know that could end up being a really big deal too.
0: No, yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, uh, what you said, especially about turnovers, I think Iowa has a reputation of under Kirk Ferentz of being a good fundamental team that doesn't you know, normally beat itself. And I think Kentucky's going to, it's going to be a fundamental football game. Uh, a team that makes the most mistakes will probably end up losing. Uh, I think both teams, you know, want to try to, uh, play good, clean, fundamentally sound football. And, uh, you know, we'll just have to see how that how that plays out, and hopefully, we will have a game with all these games being canceled here, uh, left and right. Where Josh, we're recording Josh here with Tuesday night, and or just a little bit earlier this afternoon, they canceled the Holiday Bowl like five hours before it was supposed to kick off. So <laughs> we hope nothing like that happens once we get down to Orlando for this game. There have been no reports of that so far. So hopefully, everybody will make it to the game on Saturday, uh, uh, healthy and and ready to go. Um, Josh, uh, I know. Uh, you've written plenty of stuff uh, in the time leading up to here, the week of the game, uh, but you'll have more as well. Anything in particular you want readers to, to look for?
2: Now I have my predictions, which I think is, is, you know, it's, it's sort of the, the staple of the week. We've, uh, I don't know. We exhausted a lot of stuff the last couple of weeks. Right. I wrote, uh, kind of wrote about the, the teams being there yesterday. Um, I'm sure once we get down there, there'll be a few things come out, but um you know, really just trying to, you know, ease people into this. And, and a lot of it's, you know, you know, really a lot of is not so much the lead up to the game, but the aftermath of the game. I think you'll start seeing, um, you know, just basing it off of the last couple of years. A lot of guys, you know, right, pretty much after the game, win or lose. But especially if they win because you're in a good mood, you might start seeing some guys announce um, whether they're coming back or not for a fifth year, right. um, whether they're going to the draft, you know, some of that stuff. Um so so once the game's over Kentucky fans don't don't tune out cuz you no. could have a lot of news start hitting you really fast after the game too. That's
0: right. That's right. That's when the news will happen. <laughs> a lot of stuff will probably break right after the game or in the few days after the game. That's for sure. Uh well Josh for my people where they can follow you on Twitter.
2: Yeah, I'm at Josh @JoshMooreHL. Uh mostly uh you know at this point tweeting about the other bowl games. I see as we're <laughs> watching this, the uh, Air Force is, is is kind of taking it to Louisville with their passing game, of all things. But, yeah. Um, yeah, they're in the uh, Armed yeah, Forces yeah, so. Bowl.
0: Yeah, so um so yeah be sure okay yeah follow josh on twitter at josh more hl be sure to check out all of his coverage uh go back and read what he's been writing leading up to this week and into the game on saturday at kentucky.com and in the print edition of the arrow leader and josh as always thanks for being on the podcast and look forward to seeing you down in orlando
2: yeah it's gonna be a blast it's been uh unseasonably warm here but uh I I still look forward to the uh, 80 degrees down in Florida.
0: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there's a difference probably between warmth in Kentucky and warmth in Florida, so we'll get to experience that. Thanks again, Josh. Thanks, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay podcast, the Citrus Bowl preview edition of the John Clay podcast. My thanks again to Tom Cakert of HawkeyeReport.com and Josh Moore of Kentucky.com. Thanks to everyone for listening. As I said earlier, you can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Drop me a line on on, Drop me an email at jclay at herald com. Follow all of our coverage leading up to the game on Saturday at kentucky.com and in the print edition of The Herald Leader. Look for my updates on my blog during the game on my sidelines blog. Look for my takeaways after the game. Look for Mark's stories, five things to know from the game uh, and in columns and all of our coverage. Follow Josh on Twitter at joshmorehl. Follow Mark on Twitter at MarkCStory. Uh, looking forward to an interesting and exciting game on Saturday. Once again, it's a one o'clock start on ABC between Kentucky and Iowa. It should be a uh, should be a really interesting matchup on Saturday. Really looking forward to it. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. Thanks again to Tom Cakerd and Josh Moore, and we'll be catching you next time on the John Clay Podcast.